Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, April 19th, 2020. I am your host, Quentin. Uh, I don't know what to do. I've, listen, listen, this is no shy the 20th time I've tried to start this podcast, and then I have to stop it every time because I don't know much to say, man. You know, there's no baseball. I'm struggling with it just like everybody is. You know, it's like, what do you do when there's no baseball to watch? You know, I'm still taking my dry hacks in my underwear in front of the mirror with my Easton Reflex bat. You know, I'm doing more of an upright stance now. Think Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout. I've been working on my launch angle. I'm definitely getting ready for next summer's adult 40 and up softball league. (laughs) Even though, but listen though, man, I know I'm only 36, but I'm going to tell them I'm older than what I really am so I can play because I have youth on my side. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So like, I might... As long as they don't ask for my birth certificate, like I'll be a 36-year-old playing with 45-year-olds and they'll just be like, damn, how's that guy still breathing? You know what I mean? Because I'm a little younger than them. It's the way to cheat, man. You know, sometimes I think about that where I'm just going to like join like a local adult league and just get like get a bunch of steroids and hit like 70 home runs in like a beer softball league. <laughs> you know what I mean? To just become a legend, like a local legend, dude. You know what I'm saying? I think that would be fun. Absolutely. What else do you do when there's, you know, no baseball going on right now? You get your game ready 100%. I'll tell you this, though. I'm going to start throwing pitches. I I, I think I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to start, you know, there's a Nolan Ryan has a video called Feel the Heat that you can watch on YouTube, and I'm going to watch it and just learn. I'm just going to be like a local Nolan Ryan. I mean, why not, dude? I'll put someone in a headlock and beat him up. I don't really care. Yeah, that's it, dude. But that's sort of the things I've been doing. What else have I been doing during quarantine? I've been watching a ton of baseball, old baseball online. Dude, I just finished the 1986 NLCS. I'm watching the 86 ALCS now. Just finished game one. But over the past couple weeks, I finished all of the 1986 National League Championship Series. Listen, I'm not going to give you spoilers of the series. But if you're doing without baseball and you're sort of bored... Even if you're not a fan of the Astros or the Mets, because I'm not, right? I'm a Cubs guy. I'm definitely a National League guy, so that helps. But I'm a Cubs guy, and I drink like one. And to get – and really, I hate the Astros just like everyone else does right now. And the Mets are sort of just like whatever, right? But this series – phenomenal. Listen, I'm just going to give you some studs and personalities of the series. Obviously, Nolan Ryan is still an Astro. You've got Mike Scott of the Astros – Billy Hatcher, Kevin Bass, Glenn Davis, all in the Astros. The Astros have a reliever called Charlie Kerfeld. He wears sunglasses on the mound. He's a mix between Jim McMahon and Brian Bosworth and put so much dip in his mouth, it looks like he's chewing on a baseball. (laughs) Dude, he, he throws heat, man. These guys are good. And then the Mets... Dude, the Mets start off with Lenny Dykstra, who bunts all the damn time and is super fast, dude. Uh, Wally Backman, Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, Daryl Strawberry. Dude, and the pitching staffs on even the Astros, you know, have Mike Scott, Nolan Ryan. They got Bob Nepper. And then the Mets are running, like, obviously, Doc Gooden, Sid Fernandez, Bobby Ojeda, Ron Darling. Dude, it is such a fun series. You're talking speed, bunts, steals, strategies. It goes six games. Dude, in game six, goes 15 innings. 
in it wait hold on hold on game six might no game six goes 15 innings i was thinking it might have went 16 it almost did go 16 but it only went 15 and i'll tell you this right now from watching that 15 inning game which lasted a really really long time all the folks out there like robbie manfred who are like we gotta pick up the pace of play on these games no you don't man give me the longest game ever dude and i'll take it and I think right now the baseball layoff, at this point, fans would take anything. So you could just go ahead and park the whole pace of play stuff. We don't care, dude. Just give us anything. But I think, I'll tell you this, there are a lot of notes to be taken from 80s baseball, man, because it is so good. But here's the thing, man. You can't make teams bunt more and steal more. You can't tell them what to do. But I'll tell you this, man. Even after watching the 86 NLCS, I firmly believe that strategy will come full circle back to what teams were doing in the 80s. And I'll tell you this right now, man, teams like look at the Tampa Bay Rays, dude. They're doing all this wild stuff with like the opener revolutionized the game of baseball and they're staying very relevant and very successful, right? Listen, teams as they continue to push for, you know, more efficiency, smarter, you know, tactics and stuff on the field. I, I'll tell you this, I wouldn't be surprised if there are teams out there with low budgets who are rebuilding. Like during that rebuild, they start to adopt faster gameplay with more bunts, emphasis on more singles and things like that. Sort of like, what was it, the 82 or the 85 Cardinals? Yeah, it was the 82 Cardinals, right? They won the World Series over the uh, Milwaukee Brewers in seven games, right? And those teams that Whitey Herzog managed from like 82 to, I don't know when he didn't have the job anymore, but those 80s Cardinals teams, they called it Whitey Ball, right? And it was all about steals, bunts, base hits. Those teams were so fast and so successful. The year that, you know, I'll give you the exact stat right now, but these teams in 1982, when they won the World Series, they were like dead last in home runs, but first in stolen bases. And they won the World Series. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah, that's it. In 1982, the St. Louis Cardinals hit the least amount of home runs in the league, and they had the second highest amount of stolen bases. And it was like that every season. Like, most of the seasons, they were the lowest in home runs and the highest in stolen bases. They were also, you know, one of the top teams in on-base percentage. So this was a team that's just like, get on base and let's steal. And what I'm getting at is this. I, I'm telling you that stuff's going to come full circle. And what I really think is I think every single Major League Baseball team needs a specialized player that can bunt really well and that is fast. Because if you have that guy... You can do so much damage in the regular season and the postseason to shift momentum your way, right? It's sort of like that play in the Super Bowl where the Saints kicked the onside kick against Peyton Manning and the Colts to sort of, sort of shock them. And the momentum of the game completely changed to the New Orleans Saints, right? And that's what I think that Major League Baseball teams should do. Get that guy, you know, and have your leadoff guy bunt to get on base. That's what Lenny Dykstra was doing in the NLCS. He wasn't afraid to lay down that bunt because he wanted to put the pressure on the other team. And then when you get that guy on first, who's the threat of stealing, you ruin the pitcher's, um, you know, you sort of ruin like his process. You get him out of his comfort zone because now he's thinking about the guy on first base and you can really press him, right? And I, I like the idea of teams having that specialized dude and, you know, sort of adopting like that 80s gameplay. But I, th I think it'll happen, though. The long ball's not going to last forever. 
especially since I think whenever we start playing baseball again, I think the ball's going to be unjuiced. I think it's going to be changed back to, you know, sort of what it was prior to 2015, and I don't know how that's going to change the gameplay. But I'll tell you this, I'm fine with it, dude. I love home runs, but man, that NLCS, dude, with just base hits, opposite field hits, steals, you know, Dwight Gooden, listen, in the in game one of this NLCS, it's like the only spoiler I'll give you. Dwight Gooden threw to first five times and threw a pitch out before he threw to the batter because Billy Hatcher was on first base messing with him the whole damn time, right? And the first pitch, Dwight Gooden went ahead and threw to the batter. Billy Hatcher stole, which is so wild, dude. And there's another really good game on YouTube. So if you watch the 86 and LCS, there's another good game from 86, and it's the Mets at the Cardinals on like an NBC game a week. Uh, NBC game of the week. And it's a phenomenal game. Gotta watch that, dude. And that's some of the stuff I've been doing, you know. I've still been um I've still been eating my snacks a lot, but it's been really weird for me to, you know, I'm I'm getting low on snacks and it's beginning to be a struggle, you know. Because me at my house, I'm sort of the Babe Ruth of snack time, right? I'm one of the best there ever is. I can eat more snacks than what anybody can. If you think about how much your think of the person you know that eats the most food. I'm like a hundred times better than them. Like my wins above replacement. Listen, hold on, hold on. Listen, my Doritos above replacement, my Pop Tarts above replacement, my Eggo waffles above replacement is so high. I'm like a 200 waffle person at this point, right? A hundred percent, man. I'm a 300 Pop Tart person. Like I'm going to eat 300 more Pop Tarts than your average person. That's just simply what it is, man. I am a savage when it comes to eating snacks dude. But the weird thing about me now is, yo, I'm getting to the back of pantry snacks where I'm having to get like, I'm having to get courageous back here in the pantry. Like I'm this close to eating a box of raisins (laughs) and I don't want to eat them, but I'm going to do it, man, because there's not many options because right now, right? I'm doing the snack loop, right? Like I'm doing the Sunday afternoon snack loop every damn day, right? Do you know what the snack loop is? Listen, the snack loop is when you know, sort of the end of the week and you ain't got much food at the house. So you get up and you look at the fridge and you got the fridge door open for like 30 seconds, like your Sigourney Weaver off Ghostbusters. And you're like, what's this monster doing in here? Right? You're just staring in there in a trance, right? But there's nothing in there, but you're staring at it. Okay. Then you shut the fridge and then you pull open the freezer and you're looking in the freezer. And then like you see crinkle cut and you're like, oh, I got crinkle cut fries. But then you realize they're crinkle cut carrots and you're like, damn, you know, because me, I don't do veggies. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, I'll take scurvy, bro. Don't care. Give me scurvy. <laughs> and you look in the freezer and it's like, man, I got like carrots. I got peas. I've got a half open box of fish sticks that are about two months old. I don't know if those are good or not. So you shut the freezer. Then you walk over to the pantry. You get in the pantry and you're like, okay, I got a, I got peanut butter. I got minute rice. I got plain oatmeal. Like you're getting to like the prison snacks at this point. You know, when you like go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy some oatmeal that's high in fiber because I'm going to get in shape because you went to the store not hungry, right? Every time I go to the grocery store, I go hungry because if I go to the grocery store and I'm not hungry, I all of a sudden get on a health kick where I want to buy like kale, you know what I mean? I don't plan on eating that crap, but that's sort of, those are the snacks I have left or the ones that like I thought I wanted to be healthy, you know? 
And at this point, like, I see the margarita maker up in my pantry, and I'm like, damn, walk and make some margaritas and cook these fish sticks up, sit out on the front porch, you know what I mean, to listen to a game on my phone. Like, that sounds great. And I got to find a way to get to the store, you know, but I don't know if I can risk it or not. You know, I figure, you know, I think the store close to me delivers. So, you know, I might try to get them to deliver some groceries to me. But other than that, man, I mean, you know, I got a can of baked beans, some Vienna sausages. Those are good. I love canned goods. You know, every time I think of baked beans, I think of that Dennis the Menace movie where I think he meets like he gets kidnapped by some homeless person who's eating baked beans over a fire. And that's just the life of a nomad. I don't mind that at all. But, you know, let me let me ask you this, though. What are the rules with freezer burn stuff? Like right now, I got some Americone Dream Ben and Jerry's that's got to be a couple months old, probably older than my daughter at this point. Then I got the fish sticks in there. Then I got some tartar sauce, which is like, you know, it's sort of like mayonnaise. You don't want that stuff to go bad. But I do know I have plenty of Miracle Whip because Miracle Whip to me is like, you know, number one, I'm way more of a Miracle Whip person than a mayonnaise person. You know what I'm saying? Like my favorite quarantine snack at this point is a Miracle Whip sandwich. And I'm not even kidding. Get you two slices of bunny bread and put some Miracle Whip on it and eat it, man. It's a great snack. I'm eating my quarantine meals or Miracle Whip sandwiches and then minute rice. But you cook the minute rice and add butter, a lot of butter, and do country crock butter. Don't give me the healthy butter. I do not want butter with olive oil in it. I'm not trying to like get healthy. You know what I'm saying? Who puts olive oil in butter? That's crazy. Give me the hardcore butter that I know has been churned hard with someone's body because it will clog my arteries. It's just thick, baby. Like give it to me, man. I'm not trying to lower my cholesterol. I'm not trying to get healthy with olive oil. How you going to put olive oil in butter, bro? That's like, that doesn't make any sense, man. It's just crazy, crazy. You know, and they, oh, what I'm saying with the rice. So then you got to put the butter in it. Then you put the sugar in it. Then you put a little bit of milk in it, mix it up real good and eat it, man. Those are the best snacks you can get, right? I'd, I would thrive in prison because I can eat basic meals well. So I do have those things going for me, but I am out of um, waffles. I'm going to need more waffles. I don't have Pop-Tarts. I want to get some pepperoni bagel bites and maybe some toaster strudels. I'm a big breakfast guy, dude. I need some bacon. I could eat breakfast for every meal. I'm like Ron Swanson and Babe Ruth mixed when it comes to this stuff. That's what I got. All right, all right. I promise you we do have some baseball news. I'll stop talking about my food habits and all that sort of stuff. We have new news on a possible Major League Baseball season, a realignment that involves three divisions, a West Division, a Central Division, and an East Division which is very interesting, highlighted by the West Division, which includes the Dodgers and the Astros. Now, now, what makes this even more fun is that each of the divisions will solely just play each other for the whole entire season to limit travel. So there could be upwards of 100 games, and the Dodgers and the Astros would be in the same division, right? Listen, if that's not a Jerry Springer episode waiting to happen, like, listen— just keep security on hand. People are going to get ejected, and there are going to be some high fastballs. Uh, so that that's the West Division. You know, it also has, like, the Oakland A's, the Padres, the Rockies, the Rangers, yada, yada, right? But highlighted, Dodgers, Astros. Listen, give it to me. If those teams play each other 25 times this season, bro, I'm into it. Because if you have 10 division teams, and they're going to play 100 games, um, I mean, I'm not Einstein, but... 
I guess maybe they would play each other 10 times, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 30. like 12 times or something. It'd be a lot, right? That's embarrassing that I don't know that. Uh, the Central Division, highlighted by the Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, and Cardinals. That's great. Just a big Midwest beatdown, bro. But also, the Atlanta Braves and the Cleveland Indians would be in that division, as well as the Minnesota Twins, which is interesting because you could see a lot of Braves versus Twins a la 1991 World Series, uh, Kirby Puckett, Jack Morris, John Smoltz, the whole crew, right? Great deal. Plus, also, the Reds and White Sox would be in the same division, and those are two up-and-coming teams, which would be really fun to watch. The Eastern Division would have your Yankees and Red Sox, but it would also have the Mets, which is fun because you could see a lot of Mets and Red Sox baseball. 1986 World Series. Good stuff. You would also have the Pittsburgh Pirates in that division, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Phillies, National Soils, whatever. Um... The Marlins are in that division, too, which, listen, the Marlins are going to be good in a couple of years, which is completely bonkers because we could have never seen that happening, that the absolute shit show they had in South Beach, but it's going to happen, no doubt. So what we know about this league, now I'm bringing up, I've got the article up in front of me right now. So to limit travel, each division would play their games solely within that division. Uh, the season could start with the three divisions playing in... Florida, Arizona, and Texas, okay? Um, warm weather, those places have domes, so on and so forth, right? Um, initially, there would be no fans in there, which is going to be super weird. Um, and I know in, I think, Taiwan, they actually are playing the league with no fans, but they filled the seats with signs made by fans, which I think would be really fun, and it would get... It would further get people involved, right? One of the cool things about Major League Baseball not happening right now is, hold on, let me X this out. One of the cool things happening right now with no Major League Baseball is you are getting to know Major League Baseball players on like a different level, right? So for example, a lot of Major League Baseball players are in the MLB Show 20 tournament, right? And so you're seeing these players on more of like a nonchalant, like loose level, right? One of the things that's always bugged me about Major League Baseball is the interviews are so bland post-game, right? And I think a lot of players feel like they have to be that way because they, you know, don't want to take deal with the shit, right? Like guys like Yasiel Puig who have a little bit of edge, like, they're sort of hated and have to deal with a lot of crap. And I would imagine, you know, if you're a baseball player with a family and a couple kids, you just don't want to deal with that. So you go into the media and it's like you get asked the cookie cutter questions, you give the cookie cutter answers, and then you go home, right? It's all said and done. So, you know, you could watch, a, you know, 100 baseball interviews from last season and you would be like, Bro, these people have no personality. Like, are they all DMV workers? <laughs> what in the world is happening here? But with a lot of the interactions, you see, you know, players taking interviews from their house, you know, playing this video game tournament. You really are getting to know players. So I think the marketing is great. And, you know, further aside, but if you have to play in empty stadiums, yeah, dude, have kids and fans, like, make goofy signs or whatever, and you're further, you know, you're getting people involved, so I think it's pretty rad. Uh, more on 
the proposed MLB plan, it ideally would start late June, possibly no later than July 2nd. So we could have July 4th baseball, you know, which is fitting, right? Because if I'm going to get hammered drunk on the 4th of July, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to eat all of these hot dogs and watch a rom-com with my wife. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to need some sort of sports because I'm going to be drunk. I've eaten like 20 hot dogs and I have really bad acid reflux, right? Like, can, like, just give me a reason to live, dudes. Uh, so it's like, that would be that. Um, there would be no American League, National League. Like I said, they would ideally play 100, possibly 110 games. I've seen reports to where if they do this, you know, games might start as early as 11 a.m., which is great. I love day drinking, you know. I mean, like, who doesn't love to day drink on a Tuesday? Oh, 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 gosh, that was a joke. Yeah, I, I don't day drink on a Tuesday. No way. <laughs> Uh, so the games could start at 11. You'd get a lot of doubleheaders, which I couldn't give two craps about a doubleheader. But listen, what's cool about this is Major League Baseball would possibly look to play a lot of these games in dome stadiums and actually find new dome stadiums that are out there and convert them into baseball stadiums. For example, like they could maybe build up the Astrodome and use that as a stadium because you could have baseball, you know, to finish the season, you would maybe need to play baseball in November or December, which means we could have baseball on Thanksgiving and Christmas, which is phenomenal because I hate dealing with all my family members. They're all nuts. There's always going to be a fight every Thanksgiving and Christmas, and hell, at least I'll have a ball game to watch while I'm waiting for it to go down. Listen, no disrespect to my family or my wife's family. Those are really, truly just jokes, but Spending time with family is a little weird sometimes, and honestly, I would love to just get fat on a holiday meal and, you know, watch a little bit of baseball. Like, what sounds better than that, right? Am I the only one that's had Thanksgiving family fights, like physical fights? Like, in my house, if the cops aren't called, I'm not too sure it's really a holiday, right? Like, my favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving is a Xanax. <laughs> like, dude, it, it's always a battle. There was one time, I'll tell you this, I'll make it quick, where it was a Christmas. Uh, I was maybe like 20 or 21, right? And I, um, my grandparents lived across the street from my parents, right? And so I, I just finished eating a huge meal. And I had to uh, take a boom boom, you know, what I like to call taking a conference call, right? I had to poop. And I was like, um, well, since my, we lived across the street, like I, I went across the street to my home to use the bathroom because I only go number two in a safe toilet, you know, really my own bathroom. Because when I go number two, when I take a dump, when I poop, I don't know how to describe that. When I have a bowel movement, I like to take off all of my clothes. So I like to be in my home toilet. So I go across the street and I go do my thing and I come back. And I missed a whole entire fight. There was like a a glass sliding glass door that was shot out. The big mouth Billy Bass got knocked off the wall. It was it was a fight, dude. It was a fight. And it was my mom and my aunt. It was a great fight from what I heard. A hell of a fight. And it was but it was more it was really like Tyson Holyfield. I'm not too sure if anyone got their ear bit off, but no one was fighting fair, right? And so I'd like to have baseball on the television during that stuff. I think it would be great. And really, can we just have baseball every December? 
I would love that. Hands down, no doubt about it. Um, what else about this plan? Obviously, this isn't a formal proposal. This is just sort of like leaked information to Bob Nightingale from USA Today Sports. But there's a lot of optimism surrounding it. It could actually happen. The previous plan said there would just be Major League Baseball in Arizona and they would basically just quarantine everybody in Arizona and players didn't like that at all because they would be away from their families. But the deal with this plan is they would start the season and the divisions would start their seasons in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. And what we're hearing is is coronavirus testing is um, a lot easier to do now, and um, the testing is sort of like widespread. So the resources are there to test a lot of people and to test them often. So you wouldn't. So these folks, like te- these players, wouldn't have to be quarantined because you could easily you could control coronavirus easier when you can test for it, right? And so if you can do that, players could be around their families more. And then the goal is to get the teams to play in their home ballpark with no fans and then start to bring fans into it. So the difference between this new plan and then the one that just had everyone playing baseball in Arizona is you really wouldn't have to quarantine people like you would in Arizona because the testing, you know, can be given to everybody frequently um, in large numbers and the resources are there for it. So it doesn't seem like you would be pulling as many resources away from the general public. At least those are the talks from, you know, a lot of different governors out there, the president and stuff like that. So things are starting to look up for the coronavirus. And if we have baseball on the 4th of July and Christmas, I'd love it. And starting at 11 a.m. Absolutely. What, um, Gosh, it's going to cut down on a lot of travel, which is good. Listen, I like the idea of these different divisions, right? I'm not too sure how people feel about it right now. I do know a lot of baseball purists, and I don't say that as a derogatory term, right? I like 80s baseball better than I do current baseball, right? So in a sense, like you could call me a purist, but I can appreciate today's baseball. I can really appreciate every generation of baseball, right? And I do like, you know, the rules. I like to be able to compare stats from 1980 to stats from 2000 because everything is sort of the same, but you're going to get a huge breakdown now with three divisions, 10 teams per division. I like the idea of it, you know. I think new things could come out of this, new situations can come out of this, and hell, for all we know, what if long-term three divisions with 10 teams was better? I'm not too sure. Also, before I forget, though, also included in this plan would be a possible expansion of the playoffs. So we might see more teams in the postseason, which I've, I'm on board with. A lot of people hate that. So, for example, if you look at the NBA, it's not uncommon for an NBA team to make the postseason when they're under 500, right? If you were to expand the Major League Baseball playoffs, I don't think that happens. I don't think you get teams in the postseason that are under 500, but you might get teams in the postseason that are five games above 500, which I personally don't have a problem with because if if someone wants to gripe about that, like you can't let somebody in that's 86 and or 82 and 80 or something like that. And I'm like, well, if you don't want to let them in, then they should be easy to beat because if they're not worthy to be in, then they should get beat. But if a team gets hot and they come in at 82 80, but they're 30 and 10 in their last 40 games because they got hot because maybe their players got healthy, bro, let them play, man. Let's see the best because I want teams in there that are good and that can win, right? 
Um, oh crap, what was I talking about? Um, expanded playoff format. Oh, I- I'm okay with you know mixing it up for 2020 because I think some really good storylines could happen from it. I think new rivalries could be built. You know, what if the Pirates and Blue Jays just get some sort of rivalry? Maybe someone gets some chin music thrown at them or something like that. I'm not too sure. But like, for example, like the East Division, right? The Tampa Bay Rays and the Washington Nationals, right? Those are two really good teams that maybe we don't get to see play that often. But what if all of a sudden they face each other 16 times this coming up season and a rivalry builds and we start to watch fun baseball and then maybe Tampa Bay Rays fans who, you know, there's always talk about Tampa Bay Rays moving somewhere else. What if all of a sudden, like, it peaks fan interest, right? Like, that could be great. Or if you look at the West Division, like, maybe something brews up with, like, the Rockies and the Athletics. Because those are teams that have some firepower, right? So they got some power bats in the lineup. Or what if the Anaheim Angels get good and somehow have a a California rivalry with the Padres, right? The Padres are an up-and-coming team. The Angels are going to have a fully healthy Shohei Otani this year and sign Anthony Rendon, right? There's a lot of potential for some really cool rivalries to come out of this, but also rivalries that we've seen in past years that, hell, could just be fun to watch. Um, let me. I'm going through this article right now. I want to make sure I don't miss anything else. Honestly, like I think that pretty much sums it up. So the plan definitely sounds good whether it's going to happen or not. It's definitely we're to the point now where the glass is more feels more half full than it's ever been. And I like the feel of this. It seems like it could work. Obviously, you'd have to have approval from the government, like like healthcare people within the government that are smarter about this stuff. But people in power, including the president, the uh, the mayor of Chicago, the governor of New York, like powerful people who I think are pretty objective on this, who don't want to force the topic, or maybe Trump wants to force it a little bit. I'm not sure. I really don't know. But I can tell you this. There are objective people out there who are saying this is possible, and I like that. Okay, listen, I have an interesting story. A guy named Steve Dalkowski who might have been the fastest pitcher in baseball history, just passed away at the age of 80. Now, where this story comes from, okay, let me give you some background. Steve Dalkowski, Dalkowski, let's just call him Steve from now on. He will be known as Steve for the rest of the story. He was a wild left-handed pitcher who, I guess, Ted Williams faced him once, and Ted Williams, great hitter, right? Ted Williams said that Steve was the fastest pitcher he had ever seen estimates if, okay, hold on. So radar guns weren't in use in the late 50s, but I don't know how it was estimated, but while he was working his way through the minors, because I don't think he ever made professional baseball, so Ted Williams maybe faced him on a rehab assignment, but the Orioles manager, Cal Ripken, so Cal Ripken Sr., estimated that he this guy threw 115 miles an hour. Um, but most people estimated he threw a hundred. But apparently Dalkowski, excuse me, Steve, threw harder than Sandy Koufax and Nolan Ryan. Now we know Nolan Ryan with modern day technology, looking at his previous radar gun estimates, 
Yeah, radar guns in the past had Nolan Ryan thrown about 100 miles an hour, but with today's technology and more accurate radar guns, those numbers come out to be 108. So Nolan Ryan's 100 mile an hour radar guns, when you look at, when that technology is compared to newer technology, it's said that Nolan Ryan threw 108 miles an hour at his fastest, right? But Cal Ripken Sr. said Steve Dalkowski threw harder than Sandy Koufax and Nolan Ryan. So if Nolan Ryan could throw 108, that's why Cal Ripken Sr. said that he thought Steve could throw 115 miles an hour. Like, what the heck? But he never made it to the majors because he was so damn wild. Like, they said in one minor league game, he struck out 24 batters, but he walked 18. <laughs> like, dude, if that's not the real-life version of Ricky Vaughn, I'm not too sure. Listen, Dalkowski's first year in the minors, he threw 62 innings. Boy, he struck out 121 guys, but he... He walked 129, had 39 wild pitches, and won just one game. Like, it's the ultimate if you're not first or last, Ricky Bobby. I love it. He finished his minor league career with an ERA of 557, but in 995 innings, he struck out nearly 1,400 guys, but he walked nearly 1,400 guys. I apologize. I have the hiccups. Uh, The movie Bull Durham, Nuke Lelouch. That character was based on Steve Dalkowski, the real-life Steve Dalkowski. When Ted Williams had to face Dalkowski, he uh, he said clearly, he goes, Steve is the fastest pitcher I've ever saw. After one pitch, Ted Williams stepped out of the box and said, I never want to face this guy again. I won't do it. It's not going to happen. I'm done. But things didn't work out for him. He um, got arrested a lot. Apparently, he had a rap sheet about 14 feet long. Maybe literally. I'm not too sure. Bunch of barroom brawls, stuff like that. Nothing serious. Like, this guy was probably realistically somewhere between Ricky Bobby, Ricky Vaughn, and um, maybe uh, Dalton from Roadhouse. Not really 100% sure, but that's... um, that's that's what it is, man. Wild guy, interesting guy. I dig it, though. It's a good story, though. I mean, I'd say there's definitely a little bit of Uncle Rico in there, too. I'm guessing this is a guy that could for sure throw the pigskin a quarter mile. No doubt about it. I read a really good article on Wade Boggs written by Tim Kirchin on ESPN. Listen, did you know Wade Boggs spent six years in the minor leagues? Like, that's unbelievable. This is a guy with 3,000 hits. A lifetime batting average, I believe, was higher than 300. I'm about to tell you right now. Let me check it out real quick. Oh, God, yeah. Wade Boggs was a 328 hitter, 3,010 hits, um, 131 OPS plus, and a 91 win player. 12-time All-Star, won the 96th World Series with the Yankees. Like, listen, I'm not a Red Sox fan, but for Wade Boggs to go to the Yankees, like, that's awful, man. Um, but that's where he got his World Series one plus five-time batting title, right? But, but dude, six years in the minor leagues, that's so wild. He didn't play pro ball until he was 24, and even at that rate, he got third in Rookie of the Year voting. How the hell did this happen? He batted 349 his rookie year, but then his second year in the league, he batted 361, and his highest batting average of his career was 368, all that with the Red Sox. And I just cannot believe in 93, he went to the damn Yankees. I'm watching 
the 86 ALCS right now. So I have more of like an intimate relationship with the Red Sox and their culture, right? And bro, Red Sox fans are wild. This whole 86 ALCS, the whole damn game, you can hear the Boston fans just cussing, dude. Dropping F-bombs, yelling at the ump to the point where Al Michaels literally laughs on air. And then he gets to the point like in the sixth inning where he like half-ass apologizes to the fans. And he's like, hey, listen, we know that there are some cuss words, you know, that you're hearing on the TV. And, you know, we're not happy about it. But if you want the action, it's just what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, what the heck? Because there were like four or five F-bombs, 110%, right? But also... Wade Boggs, for real, could drink 60 beers on a cross-country flight. Like, what in the world? But he's still in great shape, man. Hell, in game two of the, game two of the ALCS, he led off, led the whole damn game off with a triple with a partially torn hamstring. So I guess 70 Miller Lights maybe has, like, a rejuvenating effect. I mean, I'm not really too sure. It just gives me a headache, but, I mean, like, I could drink 70. But, dude, apparently this is like Wade Boggs appreciation, right? Because I didn't watch a ton of Wade Boggs baseball. Like, I, I didn't, growing up, I didn't watch any Red Sox or Yankees, right? He was out of the league by 99. And, you know, when I was a kid, like, there was none of this, like, MLB network. Like, the only thing I could ever see a Wade Boggs was just, like, on SportsCenter or whatever, right? But apparently this guy, Wade Boggs, was super hard to defend, um, was very much... A like Wade Boggs had power, but he chose to use the whole field rather than pull the ball, right? So he could hit the ball anywhere. You're talking a guy, he hit hard grounders and hard line drives, and that's what made him just such a damn good hitter. And you know, it's always looked at as like Tony Gwynn is really like your most popular choice to be the best pure hitter, but I, I would say, like, I don't, like, offensively speaking, you know, when you factor in guys that are pure hitters, you know, there are years, like, Wade Boggs never flirted with 400, and I sort of feel bad saying this because Tony Gwynn is like a god in my book, but if you want to talk about best pure hitters, like, Wade Boggs has to be up there, a guy that could bat 368, slug 478, I mean, he hit 24 home runs one year in 1987, and batted 363 with a 1049 OPS, right? So, like, I mean, the guy could hit extra bases. He'll hit 40 and 45 doubles. He could hit 50 doubles in a season. So he, you know, and especially he never had 100 RBIs in a season, but, you know, to look at Tim Kirkchen's, Tim Kirkchen's, you know, write-up on him, he had 667 more walks than strikeouts. He rarely... Pulled a ball in the air, especially a far foul ball. Apparently, like in 1985. Oh crap! In 19 in the 1985 season, Wade Boggs popped out to an infielder in fair territory only three times. All he did was hit hard line drives and hard grounders to the point where in '88. He led the league in batting, but also in double plays, right? That's just what it came down to. But the guy never flied out. Hell, apparently, I don't know if it's in this article or not, but after, oh, here it is. So Wade Box had already been playing Major League Baseball for eight years, 
And that's after being in the minor leagues for six years, right? And this one game, after his, his eighth year in the league, Wade Boggs hit a foul ball, but it was a fly ball deep into the stands down the right field line. Wade Boggs turned around and looks at the umpire, and the ump he like looks at the umpire and sort of like smirks, and the ump's like, what? And Wade told the ump that's the first time in his career that he had ever done that. Pulled a ball foul deep down the right field line because Wade, Wade Boggs was a lefty, right? And like I just felt that was so impressive because he never tried to force anything. He never tried to pull the ball. He had such back control. He hardly ever hit pop-up flyouts in the infield. Hardly ever, which means he was making damn good contact. And plus, overall, he rarely hit foul balls and for sure wouldn't pull him foul. So you're talking a guy that damn good hard contact on the ground in line drives. This is a guy like I feel like when you talk about pure great hitters, especially if my generation, well, because I was born in 83, dude, Wade Box has to be up there, I feel like, could be, is up there with Tony Gwynn as far as like being respected. But if, you, if you're if you online and you look at any memes or anything like that, like people love Tony and they should, you know, we've got to love for Tony Gwynn. He's one of the nicest guys to ever be on earth, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, let alone baseball players, like, if this guy wasn't a pro baseball player, he'd probably be like Mother Teresa with a dip of chew somewhere helping people out, right, and I love it, but you gotta talk about Wade Boggs, dude, but his superstitions, listen, dude, Wade Boggs' superstitions are nuts, he ate chicken before every game, had to eat chicken before every game, he woke up at the same damn time every day, which is super impressive because if you're drinking 70 Miller Lights on a cross-country flight, if you're still up at 6 a.m. the next day, dude, that is great. He would write life, the word life, in Hebrew in the batter's box before every at-bat. He would run sprints at 7.17 p.m. every day. He would, oh, one time the 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 public address announcer at Fenway um, announced Wade Boggs, but didn't announce his number, right? So you would always say like number, what, what number did Wade Boggs wear? Wade, Wade Boggs wore number 26 with the uh, Red Sox, right? So the public address announcer would be like number 26, third baseman Wade Boggs. But one game, he just said third baseman Wade Boggs and forgot the number. And on that particular day, Wade broke out of a slump right? So he told the public address announcer, he goes straight up, never announce my number again. So this is it. Wade Boggs, bro, before every game, wake up at the same time every day for my whole entire life, eat chicken, write Hebrew, do sprints at the same time every day, and have the public address announcer not say my number. All of those things have to happen, and well, obviously worked out for him. Okay, listen, this might be the last topic um, I'm not too sure, but there is, and you've probably heard it, and if you haven't, I'm going to tell you, Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, right? They always work out an agreement, like every five or ten years or something like that. I don't know how long, but that agreement is set to expire at the end of this season, whenever that happens, and Major League Baseball wants to cut 40 Minor League Baseball teams, so currently they're 160, and they want to cut it to 120. And there are a lot of pros and cons to this whole thing, but minor league baseball is not on board with this, right? Because they're saying that, listen, 
Minor League Baseball is telling Major League Baseball, like, hey, if you cut these 40 teams, they're not going to survive. And that's not fair to a lot of people, right? In the sense, like, there could be jobs lost. Uh, those players wouldn't get to play, right? So those, so there are jobs lost for stadium workers, but also jobs lost for baseball players, right? So you're eliminating a big portion of an industry. Nobody likes that. But also, if you have a minor league team in your hometown, what if that team goes under, right? What if it's a team that's been there for 40 years that, you know, have been like generations of families have watched these teams, right? And, you know, so they're going to want to cut teams like a lot of short season teams and teams that have crappy out-of-date stadiums. Now, listen, I love crappy out-of-date stadiums, right? Most people, including Hawk Harrelson, which fuck him, hates Wrigley Field because they say it's a dump, right? There are a lot of current players that say it's a dump, right? Well, you know, they built it in, God, when was it built? Was Wrigley Field built in 1918? I think Wrigley was built in 1918. Maybe it was 1916. I don't recall. But either way, anything that old, bro, it's going to smell a little funny. Like, just deal with it, bro. Like, who cares? Like, divas that have to have, like, new ballparks, like, I don't care, bro. It's not what watching. Baseball is not a clean sport, bro. It's dirty. So watch it in a dirty ballpark, right? And that's what I love, man. I love the um, I love the feel of it, the personality of it, right? Going to an old ballpark brings me nostalgia, right? And that's what I like. There was a stadium in Kannapolis, which they just tore down this past year that was, I don't know how long it had been there, but it was where the Kannapolis Intimidators played. It was the single-A affiliate for the Chicago White Sox, right? And I got to go to the stadium for three years. And this season, they'll have a new stadium. It's built. Whenever the season starts, we'll have it. But the old stadium, I loved going to. Listen, when I was a kid, my dad would take me to these dirt track races. And, you know, they would have concessions with, like, crappy buttered popcorn that was like powder butter on it you know cheeseburgers that you know if I wasn't you know a kid who could just basically handle any diet or probably like instant diarrhea cheeseburgers but they were delicious they were probably cooked on like a propane grill or something like that I don't really know but they were great right shady burgers but great um they could have been horse meat for all I know great burgers though great burgers and I just loved it, right? Like, I grew to love, like, cheap concessions. And then, you know, being born in 83 and getting to, uh, you know, see a lot of, like, the concrete donut stadiums and stuff like that, right? I Like, I like that sort of stuff. And I think nostalgia is a very powerful thing, whether it's sports or family or what it is, right? I feel like people love old stuff because it takes us back to a place that we might miss, right? And I sort of feel like that with the Kannapolis Intimidator Stadium, right? It was nothing fancy. The stands, you know, in the field, it could have been a high school field, right? Um, But it was fun to go to, and I bet a lot of families went there for a lot of years. But even though the stadium is torn down, there's a bigger stadium there now that'll hold more people with a fancier scoreboard, and people will still get to enjoy that, right? And so even teams, baseball is a very regional sport. So even a team that I've never heard of that's somewhere in Idaho, right? A team may have been there, you know, or in Spokane, Washington for 40 years. That generations of family have got to enjoy it, right? And even if like Major League Baseball says it's a crappy stadium, I guarantee it means something to somebody, right? And to sort of take that away to save money, right? It's anything Major League Baseball does, like they want to do this to save money, right? Ultimately, they'll say that they want to clean up the player development system, right? Like, 
realistically, do we need 160 minor league teams? Well, hell no, we don't, right? Uh, we that that's entirely too many. But do should we, you know, cut a minor league team because their stadiums are crappy? Like who's defining this, right? I, like a stadium with character, like I think it's great. Like who defines a crappy stadium? Like where's the cutoff line for that, right? Like is it dangerous? Does it have asbestos? Could I call JG Wentworth and get, you know, consolidation cash? Hey, I'd love to do that, right? But if no one's going to die, like I bet there's a small town somewhere that likes their crappy stadium and who would be pissed if you pulled it away. And it's a money move for Major League Baseball, right? Like they can say they want to clean up player development, but if Major League Baseball would lose money on it, well, hell, they wouldn't make the move, right? So they're going to save some money on it. But in saving money on it, you, one, might look incredibly greedy to the regions that you're pulling teams away from, which isn't great, right? You know, I'm the same guy that just said expand the playoffs, right? I always think more baseball is better for everybody. And here's the thing, like, Major League Baseball's talking about like wanting to save money, but Major League Baseball's never made more money than they make now, right? And let's say that you want to cut these minor league teams because by your standards, they're not doing good. Well, why don't you learn from maybe what you're seeing now with like player marketing because we don't have a season and double down on that in those regions and Make those regions make more money, right? Because if you're saying those teams don't make enough money and you're saying they have a crappy stadium, then I bet Major League Baseball hasn't given them all of the resources they need to succeed then, right? So if Major League Baseball wants to save money now, so be it. But Major League Baseball has always been looked at as greedy. The players, the owners, and everything, you know, each strike that happens further damages baseball. And at this point, it probably hasn't truly recovered from the 94 strike. You know, you had the 98 home run chase in the steroid era. And once we found out all that was fraudulent, we're back to, you know, everyone being greedy and, you know, free agency just being frozen, right? Like None of that's good. And I think if you're Major League Baseball and you're playing the long game here, you don't cut those teams. Double down on the resources and give those regions what they need to succeed, right? Listen, who cares if there are too many affiliates and too many players because most of the minor leaguers are never going to make pro ball anyway, but there's a lot of joy to be had there because baseball like runs so much on nostalgia. I feel like more than any sport, and I've always said that Major League Baseball should take a page out of uh, Vince McMahon and WWE and hit on a lot of that nostalgia. I feel like Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment is so good at hitting on that nostalgia, you know, through their WWE network and still having like Ric Flair and Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan like come on, you know what I mean? They really do. And even when they did with Ultimate Warrior just days before he passed, like thank goodness they did that because everyone got to enjoy that and loved it and grew closer to him when he passed away, right? And so I feel like Major League Baseball um is definitely not leaning into that nostalgia like they should, right? Like Major League Baseball needs a network similar to what the WWE Network has to where you could access any game from like 
the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, and really hit on that because you would bring more people to the game. I do feel like not having baseball now, if everything is played right, because MLB Network's doing a lot of it, they're putting a lot of games on YouTube and showing a lot of old games, and I truly believe showing these nostalgic games, because we don't have anything to show, will bring fans to the sport. And to double down on those regions and tell the proper story will bring more fans to the sport. So more baseball is always the answer. I don't like the idea of it. Now, the one thing I guess I would like about cutting Major League Baseball teams is you could streamline the draft process, the player process, and things like that, and market those players. Right, for example, where do NBA players come from? They come from college, right? Well, there aren't a million different college sports organizations. There's NCAA, right? It's one thing, and it's in one place. So for the fan, it's easier for them to understand those players, right? And to get to know those players and build a relationship with those players and those players to be marketed by NCAA and to market themselves because they're all here in one place. But when you look at the minor league system of major league baseball, it's convoluted as shit and it's nearly impossible to understand. And so, yeah, cutting back teams could help with that, but also telling that story better to the fans could do a better job of that, right? Make sure Chicago White Sox fans know who their prospects are, right? And a single A and a double A and triple A team, that's pretty damn easy to understand. Listen, I don't understand much about rookie ball or all the short season crap or anything like that, but it's not the 160 teams. It's not too convoluted to understand if Major League Baseball would take the time to tell the right story and make sure that those those minor league teams had the resources to succeed, right? Equip these guys to tell the proper story, the story that will get people to fall in love, to stay in love, and to fall back in love with Major League Baseball. So that's sort of the gist. MLB wants to cut 40 teams that want to save money. They want to make the draft shorter, which would be great, right? It's nearly impossible to get even, you know, semi, like real baseball fans into all the draft shit because the MLB draft is so convoluted. There's like 55 rounds. Like, what the f- Like, what's up with That's a ton, right? Um, but I think you could shorten the draft without cutting 40 teams. Just cut the rounds, right? And then all the other players that don't get drafted, they could just be signed as free agents, non-draft picks, just like the NFL, right? Tony Romo was an undrafted signing. Right? That's it, dude. And he was good. And I mean, hey, man. I, so that that's what could happen. Here, let me, I'm going to click on the article and make sure I'm not missing anything else on this minor league thing. No, that's pretty much all you need to know. The, 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 the agreement between minor league baseball and major league baseball, it's set to expire this fall. So we'll see what happens with it. You know, I hope they don't drop any teams. Always my biggest concern with major league baseball is they would look greedy. It is sort of one of the things I worry about with uh, starting the 2020 season. I hope that Major League Baseball doesn't look greedy and they don't rush this, you know, because there's all kinds of calls now where the the country's going to open up at some point. It's going to open up, I believe, pretty soon, but there are a lot of folks out there that think it's way too soon, a huge contingency of folks that are like, it's too soon, you guys are idiots. 
And I hope that doesn't happen with Major League Baseball. And I think it's important that Major League Baseball communicates what they're doing to ensure safety while at the same time communicating that they're not pulling resources from the greater good, right? So I think that's important too. Major League Baseball, just just keep that in mind when you're hearing this thing unfold because ultimately when you compare, you know, forcing the start of a season and cutting minor league teams, it all boils down to making money and saving money. And it's always been Major League Baseball's downfall. But market this thing, man. Tell this story. It's a beautiful story, dude. Just the other day, I saw a picture and posted it on all through my social media accounts. And it was just like a regular old baseball field, dude, with like brick dugouts and, you know, like a set of bleachers on each side of the fence. And it just sort of reminded me of like the field that I wrote to when I was a kid, man, you know, summer vacation, you're out of school. I'd pack out my Easton backpack, me and about four or five other friends, uh, ride our bikes to, uh, you know, the ball field and just hit, man. And, you know, we'd be hitting baseballs by 9 a.m., man, while the dew's on the ground and be sweating our asses off until, you know, you got to go home at five o'clock for supper. You know, we call a supper. We didn't eat dinner, bro. I ate fish sticks. You don't eat fish sticks and tartar sauce for dinner. You eat it for supper. But I'm from Southern Illinois, man. It's a place of supper. Um, but I, I just want to share that, man, you know, because I was just thinking like that the other day. Where I was like, man, I remember like riding my bike, you know, to the ball field with my friends, you know, stopping at the uh, Cheney's is what it was called. It was a meat shop, right? Cheney's. And I'd go get like a Big Slam, right? You remember when Big Slams were a thing? I'd get a Big Slam of Pepsi and some hot fries. Bro, loved hot fries, dude. Always had to have hot fries every day. Um, and, dude, that was just the best time, man. So, ride, get some snacks, go to the ball field, leave the ball field, get some snacks. And just sort of, like, play all day, man. You know, it's good stuff. Um, Just, you know, and that's sort of, I think, why, like, I just like baseball fields that don't look like anything. Like, I don't mind, you know, what someone would define as, like, a rundown stadium because, like, it means something to me because, like, the – the fields I used to grow up on, like when you go to a baseball stadium, it's just so damn big. Like sometimes it just feels like going to Walmart. Like it doesn't feel like a ball field, you know? That's why like, I wish they would have kept some of the concrete donuts around for the 80s because even, you know, that that had like some nostalgic appeal to it, right? Um, but man, yeah, those were good times, dude. Just right into the ball fields. The... School, the ball field by my house, man, like it was a home run if you hit it past the monkey bars, right? And it was legit. And I would like Ron Gantz batting stance was my go-to batting stance, dude, because TBS was huge, man, when I was a kid and I got TBS and they played all the Braves games and Ron Gantz was absolutely yoked, right? So I'd be doing like push-ups in my room, like trying to get jacked and emulating Ron Gantz stance anytime I could, man, um... But that was it, dude. That was it, man. But hey, I think we're done. Uh, thanks for listening. We haven't recorded a podcast. Heck, this is probably my first podcast in like three or four weeks, I bet. I think since my daughter's been born, who just turned three months old, I've recorded two podcasts. So this will be the third podcast since my daughter's been born. But I'm not really having a chance to, but I'm going to try to, you know, start to get, you know, some podcasts recorded more frequently. Um, but I've honestly just been hanging out with my daughter watching baseball, dude. As soon as I turn on the TV and it's a baseball game, dude, she's glued to it, man. She loves like to see people's faces, to watch them run the whole night. She'll kick her legs. She'll smile. She'll move her arms. And plus, like, I think she's going to be left-handed, which is huge. 
because I always I want my daughter to play baseball. Listen, if my daughter wants to play baseball or softball, like I guess that's up to her. But I don't want my daughter to play softball just because she's a girl. Right? If she wants to play baseball, I want her to play baseball. Yeah, that's what she wants to do. And plus, if she's going to be left-handed, I mean, I got a southpaw that could possibly throw heat. Like, bro, dude, she can make it to Major League Baseball, man. What if my daughter's throwing 95, dude? Why couldn't my daughter throw 95, right? But, dude, I honest to God, I would love my daughter on a junior high baseball team just striking dudes out. Just, dude, dude I'd be so proud of her, man. But I think that's what I want for my daughter more than anything because I don't want her to do things or feel like she has to do things because she's a girl. If she wants to play softball because her friends play it, that's great. But if she wants to play baseball because she feels like that's where the best competition is or whatever, then do it to it, man. Like if she wants to test herself, I'm not saying boys are better than girls at sports or anything like that, but I feel like my daughter will be pushing herself more by playing baseball because she would be breaking a barrier and that's something I like man in a, in a culture right now where women are starting to break in and become coaches and broadcast announcers and things like that right I like the idea of my daughter pushing that envelope even more and possibly actually playing baseball right granted she's only three months old but you know I've already put a baseball in her hand and we'll see what happens man listen I'm done show's over greatest show on dirt um I'll see you guys next time, right on. Later, Gators. Bye.